0: This is a guide to night sky in July. My name is Nick Lom. I'm Curator of Astronomy for Sydney Observatory and the Bauhaus Museum. You can uh, find this uh, a podcast on the Sydney Observatory blog, blog. If you'd like to become familiar with the night sky, um, what you need to do is... Uh, to download the map associated with this podcast um, it's a simple to download on, on PDF uh, print it out and take it outside with you dress warmly because uh, in July the nights or evenings tend to be fairly cool and what you also need is uh, some kind of torchlight and preferably red torchlight uh, because red does not destroy your adaptation to the night sky Um, So you can look at the map and also look up into the night sky. You also need to be familiar with the cardinal directions. That is uh, north, west, south and east. So you need to know where they are at your location. Um, East is of course where the sun rises, west is where the sun sets. So that gives you a fairly good Indication and north is the direction in which the sun is uh, around the middle of the day. Around 12 noon, the sun is roughly due north. So, let us start our tour of the night sky in July. Um, And let us start in the east, where we can see the familiar sight of the constellation of Scorpius, the Scorpion. This is a very welcome sight um, visible in the Australian uh, winter it's a very obvious constellation it's one of the really uh, few bright and easy to find constellations so it is an excellent signpost to the night sky it's a long curving line of bright stars Um, this time of the year um, it's in the eastern sky um, with the claws of the Scorpion um, high up a little bit towards the north and the actual sting or tail of the scorpion uh, towards the south. In the middle of the scorpion we find a reddish star, Antares and that of course represents the heart of the scorpion. And Antares is a huge star, it's a giant star its name, Antares, um, means the rival of Mars. And um, the reason for the name is because uh, Antares has a similar reddish colour to the planet Mars. So occasionally the Mars passes uh, close by, which it does. As Antares is very close to the ecliptic, the line in which the planets move across the sky and they look like two very similar reddish objects uh, close together in the night sky. It's a very spectacular sight when that happens. As I said Antares is a giant star it is uh, relatively cool its surface temperature is about 3200 degrees which may seem hot but uh, Compared to our own sun, which is a temperature around 5,500, it is a relatively cool star, and it's that coolness gives it the red colour. But because it's so big, so huge, um, even though um, it's relatively cool, it still puts out a huge amount of light, so it still appears to be a very bright star, even though it is 600 light years from us, that is, light has taken 600 years to reach us from, uh, from Antares. It's so large that if if you replaced our own Sun by Antares, and we wouldn't want that to happen, um, then uh, the Earth would be engulfed by it, as would the planet Mars and many of the asteroids, the rocky objects that circle the Sun between the orbits of Mars and Jupiter. And Jupiter would be outside Antares, but not very far from it so uh, the solar system would be a very different place and certainly no longer would be a hospitable place for Earth if Antares replaced the Sun Antares has a companion star circling around it it's a very hot star so it's quite a contrast it's a star with temperature around 18,000 degrees it's a bluish star but uh, people, if... uh, they look at the two of them together, the reddish Antares and uh, and the blue companion star. Um, sometimes uh, describe the companion star as green, and that seems to be some kind of contrast effect in our own eyes. This companion star appears small compared to huge Antares, but uh, it is actually larger than our own sun. It's something like four times wider than our own sun and ten times the mass. Of our own Sun and it's something like 2,000 times as bright as, uh, as our own Sun. We don't quite know how long the companion star takes to circle around uh, Antares but it's believed to be something like about a thousand years. Now let us move from uh, the eastern part of the sky from Scorpius the Scorpion to the north so let us, uh, and uh, so we're facing north and looking up, and the most obvious star that we see is a star called Arcturus, and this is part of a constellation of Bootes, Bootes, which which is the herdsman, and Arcturus itself means the bear watcher. It's one of the brightest stars in the sky. It's the fourth brightest star in the sky. It is uh, the brightest star in the Northern Hemisphere, as seen from the Northern Hemisphere. It's it's a slightly orange-coloured star, and it's 37 light-years from us. So it is far closer than uh, Antares, which you'll recall is uh, 600 light-years away. So that's much uh, much closer to us but it's just like Antares appears like a bright star in the sky. It's an interesting star for a variety of reasons. One of them is that it moves around our, the center of our galaxy a little bit slower than our own, our own star the Sun and of course we move around together with the, with the Sun. It's believed to be a somewhat older star. All the star than our own sun comes from a sort of older generation in in the galaxy but th- there has been a suggestion which may or may not be true but it's uh, it's intriguing that it uh, it does not come from our own galaxy but it comes from a small galaxy that merged with our own galaxy many thousands of million years ago and so it's that's why it has a different motion to other stars within sort of this part of the galaxy that it's moving a little bit slower around the centre of the galaxy. Let us move now to the west. And there we sort of facing west. Um, the most obvious star we can see is a star called Reculus. And that's uh, west and a little bit towards the right, a little bit towards the north so it's a little bit uh, in the northwest. It's a star called Regulus and the name Regulus means the little king. It's 77 light years away. It gives off more than 100 times as much light or at least if uh, we were close to the star um, we would see that it intrinsically gives off something like 100 times as much light as our own sun. It's a fairly hot star, 12,000 degrees, and which, if you recall, 12,000 degrees Celsius. If you recall, our own sun is about 5,500. It's a star which is uh, right on the ecliptic, right on the path of the planets and the sun and the moon as they move, across, uh, move along across the sky. Which means that sometimes the moon appears to, pa- to pass right on top of Regulus, so it uh, it can move. The moon can move in front of Regulus, so it's a star that is often occulted by the moon. Regulus is a, com- also has a companion star circling around it, but it's a fairly low mass star, and it's quite a large distance away from uh, from Regulus. In fact this companion is 4,000 times as far away from Regulus as the Earth is from the Sun. And this large distance means that it circles around Regulus, the main star of Regulus, very slowly. And it's believed that it would take at least 100,000 years for this companion star of Regulus to circle around Regulus. I'm afraid none of us are going to be around to see a complete orbit but uh, people in the distant future will be able to actually measure the exact period and, and work it out but for the moment all we can estimate that it's somewhere over 100,000 years that it would take interestingly this companion star this little companion star that's circling around Regulus, is also a double star and the two stars of the companion take about a thousand years to circle around each other let us move to now to the south, southern part of the sky, so if we face south and look up and what we see, at least in the early evening, high up we can see the Southern Cross. And this is uh, the best time to look at the Southern Cross, the most uh, famous uh, group of stars in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, it's just the best time to view it in the early evening because it 's very high up in the sky and it 's sort of standing vertically due south um, at this time of the year in the early evening. If we look at Southern Cross, we can easily see four stars. Um, there is also a fifth star which uh, sadly um, is becoming lost due to uh, light pollution in our cities so if you're looking at the Southern Cross. Uh, from a dark sky in the country then of course the fifth star is nice and prominent but if you look at it from the suburbs of a major city um, whether it's Sydney or Melbourne or Adelaide or Perth um, then the fifth star of the Southern Cross is uh, getting hard to see the bottom star of the Southern Cross at least at this time of the year is a star that we call Acrox or alternatively Alpha Cruises and that is the brightest star of the sun cross. And if we look at uh, Arx with a small telescope, we can see that it's actually a double star, two stars and, and in fact there's a third star nearby as well. And they at about 320 light years from us. So light has left uh, um, Acrux 320 years ago. Um, the light that we see today left it 320 years ago going clockwise um, the star on the left is a star called Beta Crucis or or has a proper name Mimosa that is the second brightest star in the Southern Cross and that's a fairly hot star at uh, about 350 light years distance from us It's important to note that stars that appear close together in the sky, like the stars of the Southern Cross, are not necessarily um, close together in the sky in reality. So, in fact, the stars of the Southern Cross are a very good example. The stars are dispersed three-dimensionally in the sky. They are at different distances. From our position, they make up the Southern Cross anywhere else in the universe or anywhere else in our own galaxy they would not appear like the Sun Cross they would take up a completely different shape just from Earth um, um, they take up this uh, interesting shape so going on we have um, looked at Acrax Beta Crucis or Mimosa uh, at the top of the cross Um, this is a star called Gamma Crucis and that is a cool star relatively cool star, so it's an orange colour. Now, unfortunately, with our eyes are not sensitive to colour in the dark, so we don't normally pick up the colour with our own unaided eyes. But with photographs, if you take a colour photograph, or people who have taken colour photographs of, uh, of the Southern Cross, then it's quite obvious that uh, the Gamma Cruises, in fact, has an orange colour. Um, and its distance, its a relatively close star has a distance of 88 light years so that is the closest star out of the five main stars of the Southern Cross then going further clockwise the star on the right is uh, Delta Crucis, that's a hot star, 364 light years distance and then we come below Delta and between Delta and uh, and A crux um, we find the faintest star of the Southern Cross uh, epsilon. Um if you look at a southern cross from a city um, you may not be able to see epsilon as i've said, but uh, with a pair of binoculars it could be easy to find and that's uh, an orange again an orange colored uh, star like gamma Crucis, and it has a distance of about two hundred and thirty light years now surrounding the southern cross we find the constellation of uh, Centaurus, the Centaur and that uh, constellation uh, surrounds the Southern Cross on three sides It's uh, this time the year to the east, which is to the left above, to the north and to the right, to the west so it is surrounded by three stars Centaurus or the Centaur represents the Greek legend of half horse, half human creatures called the Centaurs and these were very warlike and quarrelsome creatures. But interestingly this particular centaur that um, is uh, there in the sky next to the Southern Cross is not a warlike creature. It um, represents um, or honors um, a centaur known as Chiron. And that centaur, Chiron, was known for his wisdom and his kindness and he was a teacher. Um, and he taught the Greek uh, heroes of uh, antiquity uh, Jason and Hercules and he taught them subjects like music, poetry and mathematics and as a reward he was placed by the king of the gods king of the Greek uh, gods or gods of the Greek mythology Zeus among the stars Originally the sun Cross in Greek times um, was uh, was just part of the centaur and represented the hind legs of the centaur. The two main stars of uh, Centaurus are the two pointer stars, the pointer stars which always point to the Southern Cross and the ones which enable us to find and distinguish the Southern Cross from other nearby stars which uh, look like the Southern Cross but uh, you can always recognise the Southern Cross by the two pointer stars. Out of the two pointer stars, the one further away from the cross, or further away from the, from the cross in the sky, is Alpha Centauri, um, also known by its uh, Arabic name of Rigel Centaurus, which means the centaurs, the centaur's foot. If you look at uh, Alpha Centauri through a telescope, we can see it is a double star two stars fairly close together in the sky. In fact, they are one of the nicest objects to look at through a small telescope. Um, to me, always the two stars appear like a pair of distant car headlights. These two stars circle around each other. It of about 80 years. So they take 80 years to go around each other. Um, and they were the furthest apart in uh, 1995 and since then they have been coming closer together. The brighter on the two stars is very similar to our own Sun, while the fainter star is, is somewhat orange star, it's a little bit less massive than our own Sun, a little bit cooler, but it's a slightly larger star than our own Sun. There is a third star in the system which is known as Proxima. Centauri. Now we cannot see that through a small telescope because it's uh, quite a way away, it's two degrees away so it's uh, four four times the width of the full moon that's normally outside the field of view of a telescope that's one reason why we can't uh, pick it up the other is that it's very faint, it's a very faint star it's a little dwarf star um, which gives off less than 10,000 times as much light as our own sun The three stars of Alpha Centauri, so Alpha Centauri system, are at a distance of about four and a third light years from Earth. That is, light left Alpha Centauri four and a third years ago. Um, So not that long ago. And four and a third uh, years before reaching us. This makes Alpha Centauri the three stars of Alpha Centauri, or the Alpha Centauri system, the closest star system to Earth. But in fact, Proxima, and you can guess that by the name, is is just a little bit closer than the other two. So Proxima is in fact the closest star to Earth, apart from our own Sun. Proxima was uh, only discovered relatively recently, it was discovered in 1915, by an astronomer called R.T. Innes Um, he was an uh, ex-Sydney astronomer um, who who moved to South Africa and he made a discovery uh, while working in uh, South Africa the other star uh, out of uh, the two pointers is Beta Centauri and that's the one that appears closer to the cross in the sky and that is much further away that is 525 light years away. So once again demonstrating that two stars um, which appear close to the sky are in fact can be at very large distances apart in reality. So Beta 10 is 525 uh, light years away from us. It's a very hot uh, massive uh, massive star uh, giving off something like 10,000 times as much light as our own sun. Through a telescope, we can see just see that it's a double star. We can see a fainter star associated with the main uh, primary star, the main star, um, which is and this fainter star is still 400 times as bright as our own Sun. Just uh, finally, before we wrap up uh, this uh, view of uh, the stars in July, um, I'll mention another object uh, in part of the constellation of Centaurus, an object called Omega Centaurus, or Omega Centauri, more precisely, more more accurately, um, or known affectionately to astronomers as Omega Sen And this is a globular cluster. This is a huge ball of, uh, of several million stars, but it's believed to be contain 5 to 10 million stars and this ball of stars circles independently around the centre of our own galaxy and it's the most massive of the 160 globular clusters, similar balls of stars that we know about in our own galaxy, the Milky Way Um, it's the most massive, it's relatively close 16,000 light years away so it's relatively close among uh, globular clusters it's only visible from uh, the southern hemisphere and it, uh, it is a very nice subject to, to study it circles around the centre of our galaxy in the opposite way to Stars 2 so which uh, suggests that it has a rather interesting history and it has been suggested that it came as a remnant of a small galaxy that was uh, swallowed a few billion years ago by our own galaxy, the Milky Way. And this is the remnant, the very central part, the nucleus of this small galaxy, and we see it as the globular cluster, Omega Centaurus, Omega Centauri. Uh, we can easily pick up uh, Omega Sen with a pair of binoculars. It is visible to a naked eye from a dark sky, but uh, in a city it can be easily picked up with a pair of binoculars. Back in uh, 1985, when uh, Halley's Comet was uh, just uh, approaching, uh, approaching the Earth, approaching its uh, close approach to Earth in 1986, it passed right by Omega and it looked exactly like Omega Sen and a lot of people uh, uh, at that time who saw it in binoculars uh, thought uh, incorrectly that uh, uh, Halley's Comet had split into two. This wraps up our view of the night sky in July. Um, We will now look at uh, special events, visibility of the planets in July as well. Let us look at uh, the planets and other events in uh, July 2009. This year on the 4th of July the Earth will be at its furthest from the Sun, and that is uh, an event we refer to as aphelion, and that takes place at somewhere around 12 noon on the 4th of July. Now this seems to make sense that the Earth is furthest from the Sun in the middle of the Australian winter, but in fact it has little effect on, on the temperature. And uh, if you think about it, you'll realise that uh, even on the 4th of July, so the Earth is furthest from the Sun, um, it is the middle of summer in the Northern Hemisphere. So the temperature um, is not really affected by the varying distance um, of the Earth from the Sun. It does have an effect on uh, the lengths of uh, summer and winter. fact that uh, our winter takes place when uh, the earth is furthest from the sun. It is the time that the US is moving the slowest around the sun. So that means that uh, our winter is a little bit longer than it would be otherwise because uh, because we are furthest from the sun. Similarly, our our summers uh, in January when the US is closest to the sun uh, then uh, the earth is moving faster around the around the sun. So our summers might be a little bit warmer because of the because we're close to, to the sun but at that time of the year. But it's also our summers are quite noticeably shorter than they would be otherwise. The main planet that's visible in the evenings is the planet Saturn and it's high up in the in the northwest. Um, on the twenty fifth of July the crescent moon uh, will be uh, very close to, to Saturn, and that will be worth looking out for. And the crescent moon will be to left or west of the planet. The planet Mercury starts becoming visible in July, and uh, and it will appear very low in the west, just near the end of the end of the month. So it will uh, join Saturn in the western sky, but much lower in the sky, uh, very late in the month. There are more planets visible in the mornings, so those of you who rise in the mornings uh, can see the planet Venus, uh, the planet Mars, and Venus is in the northeast, as well as Mars, while Jupiter is in the western sky. So Venus, Mars, and Jupiter are visible in the early morning before sunrise. And that completes our discussion of the planets and other events in July. 2009 You can uh, catch this podcast on the Sydney Observatory blog www.sydneyobservatory.com slash blog My name is Nick Lomb I'm Curator of Astronomy at Sydney Observatory